We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet. All right, here we go, my friends. Welcome back to another audio adventure on Insight. I'm CVV Chris Van Vliet. Thank you so much for being back with us. This is episode number 285 for the podcast, closing in on 300. And this is episode number 115, just for this year alone. 115 episodes in 2021, and a lot of you have been with us for every single one. Also, how is it December already? How is it almost 2022? This year is just flying by. Charlie Haas has a heck of a story, and so glad to have him with us here. If you're not following him already on social media, he's at Charlie Haas. That's H-A-A-S. On Twitter, and he's at Real Charlie Haas on Instagram. If you're not following me, it's just at Chris Van Vliet. And wherever you're listening to this right now, make sure to check out Charlie's new podcast called World's Greatest Podcast. Great name, right? Makes sense because you know, the tag team with Shelton Benjamin, World's Greatest Tag Team, World's Greatest Podcast, World's Greatest Fan, or at least the Fan of the Week. Corey Snelson, who says, CVV, the man, the myth, the inspiration. Listening to the Ryan Pineda episode right now, such a great guest. One of my side hustles happens to be content creation for a house flipper, and this episode has really inspired me to pitch a full-time gig with this successful flipper. Thank you for the diverse guests. Carrot Top was amazing. I feel like your show is a roadmap to taking action on goals. Thank you, CVV. Hands down, my favorite podcast. And favorite host, Vague Goals Get Vague Results. It's written big on top of my whiteboard because it's not only true, but an effective way to stay focused. Thank you so much, Corey. And you're right, vague goals do get vague results. I actually just wrote out my goals. Like physically wrote out five goals that I wanted to crush in 2022. Then I wrote out a deadline for each one of them. And I wrote out the steps that it would take to get each goal accomplished. I highly recommend that you do the same. This is a very powerful exercise. And be specific with your goals. Don't say, I want to lose some weight this year. Be like, I want to lose 15 pounds by July 1st. Well, how are you going to do that? And then figure out the way to do that. Reverse engineer your way back. Should do a whole episode about this. I feel like we should. But if you want a shout out on the show, for free, of course. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We read one out on every single episode. And while you're leaving a review for my show, leave a review for the world's greatest podcast as well. All right, let's get to it. The host of the world's greatest podcast. Please welcome Charlie Haas. Charlie, I'm pumped about this. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to go. I really am. Well, and congrats on your new podcast, by the way. Let's get that all out of the way right now. So wherever people okay. are listening to this, they can listen to your podcast as well. Right. Yeah. So uh, my podcast is called The Haas Pod or Wrestling's Greatest Podcast. Um, what we're doing is we're covering all aspects of wrestling. Um, everyone knows my background and how important um, amateur wrestling is to me and was to me. So um, what we're doing is we cover all aspects to where we go from Pro wrestling one week to amateur wrestling the other week. Um, 
we go with the image wrestling. I'm diving deep into, uh, you know, we're, we're interviewing the top high school prospects that are in the country, um, even the top youth prospects. And um, we ask them, you know, what their work ethic is, what their what universities they're looking at, and uh, you know, and what what the, where they would hope to be, you know, if they want to continue into college for wrestling. And then we go out and we interview the uh, top tier wrestling coaches, say Penn State, Iowa State, Iowa, Oklahoma State, uh, just to name the, a few. And um, we'll ask them what they look like, what they look for in a top prospect, and then what they look like, what they look for, and you know, whether it's just not a wrestler, but also a student athlete, you know. Um, because they're building for four to five years and they want to make sure they have the right people in place to continue their success. Like Penn state right now has the perfect blueprint for it. Although they did get beat by Iowa last year. Um, but you know, they've won the last uh, nine out of 11 national titles. So, um, and what we do is also, it's also really important for women as well, because women's wrestling and amateur wrestling is actually saving men's wrestling. Um, Iowa just announced that they're going to start a women's team next year. Uh, Penn, um, Clemson started one. Um, you know, there's over 1,300 scholarships for women, but we only have like 1,100 women wrestling right now. Wow. So um, we're trying to get it and uh, get as we're trying to get as much notice out there for women. Um, this to let them know, like, hey, you know, if you continue in the sport, you can get your college paid for. You know, and uh, amateur wrestling is such a great um, it's it's great for women especially because um, you know you may have uh, it's the type of sport where you have different weight classes and you may have Say you have a, a girl that that's a little bit on, on that's a little bigger on and wants to play like center midfield in soccer, but it's yeah. really impossible for her to play that. You go to wrestling, you have a chance. She has a chance to wrestle against girls her own weight, with her own experience. She has a chance to if she wins a state title. You know, she has a chance to go on and even if she doesn't win a state title, but she is successful. Um, she does have the chance to go on to get a, earn a scholarship. And then you know, right there, you're building self esteem. You're building. Um, you know, you meant, she's just building a stronger mentality towards uh, the workforce, you know, because what she can use um, that she learns in wrestling is that she can apply that to life, you know, and that, you know, maybe she's put back into an uncomfortable position, but she'll learn to get out of it. And she can apply that towards like, you know, towards, you know, life, you know, when you get when obstacles like death or taxes or divorce or, um, any, you know, anything that gets thrown at you, you learn how to get out of that. And um, I think it's a great, great um it's a great success for women. Um, it's it's going to help men's wrestling for sure, but it just helps women in general to become a stronger advocate for um, you know life when it comes to obstacles that are thrown in their way. So I'm looking forward to seeing what our podcast can do. We want it, what we want to do is bring um, we want to bring for the amateur side. We want to bring coaches together with student athletes that they haven't met yet, and maybe that they they they've missed you know in their. Uh, in their process of recruiting and we can maybe hook them up to where they can get a scholarship or, you know, they can get looked at, or maybe they can go from a D2 to a D1 level. And, um, and then with the pro side, I just want to, you know, go into the, the stories that I, you know, I had over the professional, my professional career. Um, and then, you know, reconnect with the people I met from the independence all the way up to WWE, up to Japan. And, uh, and just to tell the stories that we had and the fun times we had, but also maybe there is a chance to connect the amateur wrestling to the professional wrestling, like say with a Gable Stevenson. And maybe if they want to become a professional wrestler, I can use my connections to help them get into, you know, instead of fighting in the UFC, maybe they'll want to go to WWE or AEW. So help, help yeah. out there. Look, I think that everybody is very familiar with your amateur background, but now you're coaching amateur yeah, wrestling. I'm coaching. So yeah. You talk about what some of these recruiters are looking for. What do you look yeah. for in one of your athletes? Well, you know, so, so, you know, I coach a youth program that's like, you know, from kindergarten all the way up to high school. And um, when, when they get to high school, they really, I, I kind of, they push, I push them on over to our, the, the high school team that we feed into. And uh, that's Allen, Texas. And they're, uh, they're going for their 13th straight state title this year. Um, so Jerry Best is the head coach there. Uh, him and I grew up in Oklahoma and we know each other. We're like brothers. Um, so I run the youth program. But what, you know, what I keep telling the parents is that, you know, Amateur wrestling is a marathon. It's not a sprint that you have to, you know, you listen, this technique is very hard. There's a counter to every counter and there's a counter to every counter counter. You know, you just can't go in there and say, Hey, my kid's a great athlete. Yeah. That, that'll pay off. But, you know, I'll take hard work over talent any day. You know, um, it just, and that's what it, it takes to become a successful amateur wrestler. You got to put yeah. in the hard work. Um, yeah. and, 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 and the parents just want to see, they want to see success right away and they want to win now. I'm like, well, here's, is, what's the long, what's our, what's our long goal, our long-term goal. And that is to get a scholarship is to get our, our, to get our education paid for. 
And I go, and then from there, then you can say, okay, to win a national title or to be a four-time All-American or to be an All-American. Um, I go, but right now we just have to, um, we just got to keep the parents focused to saying, look, you know, they may not be good right now, but for, you know, five years, six years, they may be the person that's getting pinned. They may, be the, they may become the person that's pinning everybody. So, you know, the switch, the green light turns on differently for everybody at different times. So you just got to stay focused and you just got to keep the kids, you know, it's a, it's a difficult sport. It's a hard sport, but you got to keep the kids having fun and just let them know that, you know, hey, it doesn't matter right now. It's it, it, it's what, what happens in the future is the most important. So I can relate so, to that so much. I was a high school yeah. wrestler. I yeah. didn't win a match for a long, long time. Yeah. But yeah. I learned so much about myself and so many life lessons that I carry with right. me now to this day. I'm curious yeah. for you, Charlie, what do you think is the biggest life lesson that amateur wrestling has taught you? So it taught me, it's taught me, um, like, like I said, okay, so wrestling puts you in uncomfortable positions and like nothing like putting your hand, your hat thrown on you, your arm twisted behind your back or over your head. Then you have to learn how to get out of that. So, um, you know, so what it taught me is that if I can get out of these moves in the amateur wrestling, then I apply that work ethic towards life that I should be able to, um, you know, not only to succeed, but also to overcome adversity, you know, when that's thrown at me. Um, like, for instance, um, my divorce with Jackie, um, very difficult, very hard on the kids. But, you know, it's taught me to, you know, stay focused in that, you know, things will things will turn out, you know, in the long run, you know, they'll, they'll turn out the best for you and for the kids. And they'll work out that way. Um, you know, um, same with when my dad and my brother died. You know, it's, uh, you know, death is thrown at you and you're like, a, you know, you're the only male figure in your family now. And you're like, man, where's that male bondage? And you know, you have to learn to overcome that. And uh, so, you know, it's it, it's taught me that, that, you know, hey, I've been backed in uncomfortable positions, but you know what? I just keep my head straight on and I just keep looking ahead. Um, and then I will overcome and, um, you know, I will figure out a way to get out of these uncomfortable positions and, uh, you know, be successful and to move on. You know, I'll never for, forget, but I'll be able to move on. So that, and that's what it's taught me so far. I think that you surprised a lot of people with this new look. Like when this video came out, this interview that you did with Hannibal, yeah. you had a new look. And I think that a lot of people yeah. were were worried and concerned, yeah. but you're you're okay, right? No, I'm fine. You know, it is just like here's 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 my you know, when people quit working out, um, either they get they with my genes. When I quit working out, I just get really skinny, man, and I, and I just get lean. I it's just, I don't know why. A lot of people either eat a lot or get fat or, you know, they just, they look, get out of shape. Man, I just, that's just the way it, I've always been. Um, um, so when I start working out, that's when I start to bulk back up. No, I'm, but I'm, I'm fine. Like, you know, I, I was, I mean, that divorce took a lot out of me. And I, I mean, I quit working out. I was, um, I mean, I was depressed. And uh, I mean, you, you lost everything. You lose your partner for 15 years. Um, you know, she's, um, She's you no, know, she, she's with her boyfriend. They have a new baby, uh, and I'm happy for him. Um, you know, your kids are are like, Dad. You know what's going on? And there's somebody else living your life, and it, it's tough, man. And that and that is, um, man, that that's what really hurts, you know. Um, then you read what the people are saying about you. That you know, that's why I try to block that off. And you know, then my my daughter's reading this, and she's all upset. And I'm like, man, I just wish people understood exactly what was going on in my time of my life. I mean, there's uh you know, divorce is like a, it's like a death, you know, in a, in a family, you know, my, my dad just died and my, my wife and I are done. And, um, you know, it's just, it was, it was a tough situation. And, um, but, you know, like I said, I've learned to overcome it, but I, I mean, I got back into working out, back lifting. I thought I was done wrestling. Um, you know, uh, I have to thank, uh, Robert Langdon. He got me back into it and, um, you know, James Beard, um, SWE and, you know, and now I'm, you know, from there, now I'm looking, I'm like, I just signed a, 28 deal, uh, 28 um, match um, deal with um, world class pro wrestling. So I'm, I'm excited about this. Yeah, what brought you back to wrestling? Because, like you said, you had you know a bit of a hiatus from it. Yeah, well, I was I was done, and uh, Robert Langdon brought me in. Uh, he uh, they were doing a uh, they were they were honoring me to go into the Texoma Pro Hall of Fame, and they said, hey, we just want you to come out, and just take out look, take a look at the new talent. I really didn't know that what was going on. So they brought me into the ring and they they presented me a ring and all that for the Hall of Fame and I, I didn't even know that was going on I was like shocked but when I was there um Ted um James Beard was there and he was like hey you know Charlie why don't you get back in wrestling I'm like man I'm so out of shape for this he's like no we want you why don't you try I go oh James look at me I'm like I, I got to get back into shape all this and this 
Um, he's like, well, you never know until you try it. So my kids were like, come on, dad. You know, they, they really, they saw me when I was little. They haven't seen me wrestle. And I mean, it's been a good two or three years. So I don't even know what my, where I'm going to be at in wrestling. So, um, we started with, um, uh, a Texoma pro. Then I moved, um, then I said, okay, I told James, I go, I think I go, my cardio is fine. I go, my look doesn't look good, but my cardio is fine for SWE. Well, you know, so we went out to SWE. I tried the, the, the first match and, um, and then uh let's see it was um Kevin Sullivan was there, he was and Teddy Long and um Tom Lance and they were like um they're like, Man, you're uh you, you have that gear that you know people haven't seen in a while that changed to fifth gear. Like my in I guess like I'm a heel basically and uh and I man, I just my style's a little bit different now from what everyone does. It's like where I I'm not so much worried about move the moves. I'm worried I worry I concentrate more on the work between the moves. Um, I also bring the crowd into it. I interact. And that was something different that they didn't have. And I, I bring it up to a higher level as a heel. Like, I mean, it's intense, very intense. And um, people were like, whoa. Um, so I, you know, so I have this new, it's something that people haven't seen in about three or four years. So I have this new attitude um, with this new look. But, you know, it's all right. I kept reading where everyone's like, ah, oh, he's sick. He's uh, he's all messed up or whatever. But I'm, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm just – and I thank those people for giving me more fuel to add to the fire. But I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm back up to two. – I'm 230 pounds. I'm 6'2". I mean, I'm putting – I put 315 up for like uh, five times on the bench, So, which isn't a lot compared to a lot of people. But for me, I think it's good. So That'd uh, be I mean, incredible for me. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, and I'm happy, and I'm working out. And um, so I thank you for everybody's concern. But, man – all you gotta do is just just go on and watch like the progression from SWE to now. I mean, I'm dude, I'm I'm right where I'm at. I'm yeah. right where I want to be. When you thought that you were done with wrestling, where did you start to transition your life into? Like, what were you doing? Uh, amateur wrestling, just just focusing on the coaching. Um, also, I was doing. Um, uh, I was working in medical device, um, so I was selling um, uh, spine, which is medical device spine hardware. So I was working for Nuvasiv Spine. Then I started working for Acuity Surgical. So I would go into basically like the neurosurgeons or the uh, sports ortho doctors that work on spine and and try to convince them why our screw and plates and our why our procedures would be better than uh, say strikers or zimmers or uh, any other uh, you know spine company out there. So it was um yeah I was usually using my degree finally. So. <laughs> I know that most people when they either retire or they step away from wrestling like you can't ever really fully get away from it so no, you, you how good did it no. feel when you finally went back out there in front of a crowd um i was scared i was nervous but then when i but you know when i when i heard them cheering i was like well, okay that's good but then when i heard them booing i felt better i don't know why i just i like being a heel better <laughs> it really does it's just it, it's always been um it's been easier for me to be a heel i just find it easier to just like get people to boo me I, you know it's hard for me to like dig down and say, come on, man, cheer for me. But it's so much easier to just say, I don't need your guys' help. I can do this on my own. You know, I don't know what, I, what I've done for the last three or four years is, um, you know, I've had a lot of hardship, but I think I've taken all that and I have, um, you know, I have been able to embrace that, but I could have been able to let it portray in my character when I wrestle. And especially in my, when I do my, uh, when I do my um, vignettes or when I do my promos, I, it, it kind of carries over there, carries into that. And people were like, man, he can really speak. He can talk. Like, uh, we never heard that part from him, you know? So, you know, which is true. You know, I mean, I was, I was down and out for a while. And now I'm like, you know, and I'll tell people in the promos, I'm like, look, when, when you're basically almost homeless and you're, you're, you're that close to living on the streets, when you've lost everything, I go, there's a, you're not scared of anything, you know? So yeah. I, I promote that into my uh, promos and my people, which it's true. So I'm just taking parts of my life that's been happening that people haven't seen or heard of and, you know, and just like, and I just, I just mix that into with what's going on in the wrestling world and what Charlie Haas is doing. So, yeah. And Charlie, I'm so sorry to hear that everything yeah. you've been through. I, I'm no, curious, okay, was there you a know, day when you decided I got to turn this thing around? Did something specifically happen to go, let's, let's get out of this funk? Yeah. I think it was when, um, you know, when, right, when you get going through all the divorce papers back and forth and I'm like, you know, and then, uh, I, yeah, especially when I'll tell you what the day was when you signed the papers and then, your son calls you and he goes, um, hey, dad, man, there's somebody over here living. Somebody in my kitchen eating my cereal. I go, what? He goes, yeah, he says he's living here to get used to it. I go, and right then I'm like, man, I was like, what is going on? I had no idea. I had no idea that there was somebody else like that, you know, and yeah. boom. He's, the kid's never met him. He's in. He's there living. So, uh, yeah, I think that was when I said, you know what? 
this, you know, it's time to start feeling sorry for yourself. Evidently she's moved on, you know, the papers are signed. So, you know, it's time for me to move on. And that was, yeah. It. And it, I mean, it sounds like wrestling came around at the right time. Like, yeah, that, it all came at the right time. Well, wrestling's like your first love. So to be able to, you know, fall back into love with that, it sounds like it's completely changed your course. It, it, it changes course, you know, and, uh, and it's even to the point where I have the amateur wrestling school, but what I want to do is um, I'm going to open up, uh, you know, the professional wrestling school as well. And um, what I want to do is I just want to, um, I'm mean, you know, there's two, there's two projects I have going on. One, I want to concentrate on just tag team wrestling. So I can, you know, right, I'm doing singles myself, but I want to help the tag team wrestlers out. Um, I, you know, uh, I think that it's become a lost art. And I think that if, you know, the, the problem is I think the heels think too much into it. I think they try to outshine the baby faces and that it's just, is not, it's not a good recipe for a, a tag team match. Um, I see the refs get buried a lot in the matches. I want to be able to teach them what Arn Anderson taught me and what Jerry Briscoe taught me or taught Shelton and I when we were tagging. And uh, I mean, when you have the best mind in a business like Arn Anderson, that he just, he put a stamp of approval on you on how to do tag team wrestling, then I want to be able to pass that down. Um, and, I, and I think that that's something no one does. Everyone has pro wrestling skills, but they don't have any pro wrestling skills that specify tag team wrestling or work for tag team wrestling. So I want to do that. Two, I'm also, um, I'm starting a junior wrestling alliance, which is for, um, it's for younger kids from ages 10 to 15, 10 to 16. And I'm not, and I know everyone's like, oh, wait, hold on now. You know, these, these kids are too young. You can't teach pro wrestling to kids. But I'm like, you can. And what I'm going to do that's different is that they won't wrestle outside the ring. They won't um, go off the top turnbuckle or anything like that. There's not going to, they won't be able to do power bombs or, or, uh, or um, the um, power bombs or spine busters, anything that's going to give a whiplash where it's head first. Uh, we won't have that in that. In the, in this, um, in this alliance, what we will do is we will concentrate on, you know, chain wrestling, um, how to work the crowd, um, the timing, the spacing, um, you know, your base, your hip toss, your body slams, the psychology, you know, heel versus face, how to get heat, body parts to work. Um, because I'm sitting there going, you teach a kid to do that. And, and I've done it with my two kids, my not 11 and nine year old. They're already wrestling against each other in, in front of crowds and they're doing a great job. But if you, if you do that at this age, and then you see, by the time they're 18, 19, or 20, you can have another Randy Orton on your hands, you know? And I think Randy's at the best there is right now. Uh, it, you know, I just, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, okay, at 18, you can become a pro wrestler. And we expect to cram all this knowledge into you in three or four years to be on top, if not next. I'm like, it's impossible, you know? I mean, you don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to be a professional football player and then go out and try out for the Cowboys. No, you yeah. start from the time you're in little leagues, you know, baseball, peewee, you know? I mean, it's just... It's so why not? You know, hockey, you got to start from the minors. I mean, below the minors, like from the youth foundation. And, and those kids get a lot. I mean, come on, youth football and, and hockey and lacrosse, there's as much head injury or concussions than there would be in professional wrestling, you know? So I'm just saying what I'm doing is I'm taking out the major moves that could prevent, that could cause, I mean, can cause concussions. And I'm just teaching them the basics. But, you know, timing and spacing is the, and footwork is the key to professional wrestling. Uh, if you're going too slow, it's the right speed for television, um, you know. And uh, of course, at the young age, you know, you have, they have to understand the win or loss, like how that how that's predicted and how that goes. You know, it's already been exposed. So, um, I mean, I, and once my kids understood it, they're like, oh, they just want to work for the match. That, they don't care. So, you know, and that's the big difference. So I'm excited. We'll see where it goes from there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The thing I love about your story is if we take this way back, 
pro wrestling is what led you to amateur wrestling, which is yeah. so interesting because yeah. it's usually the I other know. way around. I know. I know. Yeah, when I was um, when I, I was a big pro wrestling fan, my first, I mean, growing up watching, uh, my first, I turned on TV and I saw Lou Albano and Ray Crippler Stevens beating up Jimmy Superfly Snuka. And um, then they piled drove him twice on the cement. And then you saw the big X go through there. And this was, a, this was for WWF at the time. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. This is great. And then, um, man, it was, I was hooked. Um, and then, you know, cable just came out and I was, uh, 605, 805, WTBS, you know, Gordon Soley, Georgia Championship Wrestling or World Championship Wrestling. You know, and then I was able to get, you know, then uh, Midnight, the Von Erics, World Class Championship Wrestling, you know, and, and then there's a lot of different um, territories that I was able to pick up because of cable. Um, but yeah, when I got to, when we were in Oklahoma, I went out. I saw it for seventh grade junior high. They had wrestling. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to go off for wrestling. It's great." So I got there and I thought it was, I thought I was going to walk into a room with a, a ring, and it was not. It was all amateur wrestling mats. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, and I'll tell you, we were talking about it. Like the first two, three years, I mean, I got, I was just, I got my butt kicked, and it was, it was terrible because um, these kids have been wrestling since they were like kindergarten, first, second, third grade. Like you know, the way I'm teaching my kids now, you know. But, I mean, I started in seventh grade, and I, I didn't get good till like, the end of my ninth grade year. I mean, until I really just turned the corner. But, I mean, I, I stuck with it. I mean, because I, I – actually, my seventh grade year, it was so bad. I was I went out for the basketball team after wrestling, and I didn't make the team there. So, I went back to just get my butt kicked in wrestling. So, there was really nothing else to do. So, <laughs> so I can't jump. So, I might as well – hopefully, eventually, I'll learn how to wrestle. So, it, it paid off, though. We always hear stories about how – you or Kurt Angle, Shelton Benjamin, Brock Lesnar yeah. was an easy transition from amateur wrestling to pro wrestling. How um, easy is it really? Um, I think it's an easy transition if you're a fan, um, if you grew up watching it. Um, and and it, like, so it's kind of like, you know, if you're a fan of the UFC, like if you know all those holds and all the, and all the technique that, uh, you know, um, Joe Rogan's calling out in the middle of a UFC match, then it's good. Like for me, when you hear, when I grew up hearing Gordon Soley or Jim Ross, you know, talking about, oh, he's got the headlock takeover, the Irish whip, oh, oh it's an up and over, oh, baseball slip between the legs, arm drag, you know, hip talk, you know, what, it, I think that was easy because I knew everything they were talking about. So when I, when I started training, um, when Mike Sharp started training me, he was like, he would, he's like, do you know this? I'm like, yeah, I know that. I know that because, I mean, you're a fan, you, you, you know, like some of the moves I could do already because I probably practiced on my mom's, and I didn't have access to a, a um, a ring, but we destroyed a lot of bed frames on the king size bed of my parents' house. So, um, you know, drop kicks, yes, um, body slams and all suplexes. So, um, you know, it, it, I think I thought it was a, it was an easier transition, especially when you take the work ethic of an amateur wrestler. Um, that helps out a lot as well. But the, I mean, the biggest difference though is in amateur wrestling, the last thing you want to do is be on your back, and in right. pro wrestling, you have to somehow get comfortable with that. Right. You have to. You have to. Some. You're exactly right. You know, it's kind of. Uh, it's also very similar to like when I get a I get a bunch of people that come in to be one of amateur wrestler. Well, I go, what other sports have you, t have you taken? Oh, we do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Well, so with that, that's great, but we have to teach them that you can't pull anyone in a guard. You can't go to your back. In amateur wrestling, you never want to go to your back. It's always you got a hand control work up. You got to you know you want to control the hands and be able to get up and get your hips out from underneath and escape. Um, you know where you know in amateur wrestling and in pro wrestling, you have to be comfortable to be on your back. You know, and it's a uh, it's something that you just have to, um, you just, you, that's something you have to put in the back of your mind and you have to work for. So, yeah. With your incredibly decorated amateur career, how did WWE find you? Um, so I was, I was a tag team with my brother. Yeah. Um, and you know, the Steiners were over in WCW. Jerry Briscoe heard that there was a, there was a brother tag team out from Oklahoma that was on the independence. And that was us. Um, and he got word to Kevin Kelly to find to look us up and try to find us. And uh, Kevin Kelly did. Uh, we were working um, at the time we were the Jersey All Pro Tag Champions and the CZW Tag Team Champions. And we just started working for Jim Kettner, who used to run ECWA, uh, the Super Eight. You know, he, the, it was a big tournament at the time. Um, and uh, so we, the, Jim Kettner got in touch with us, said, "Hey, um, we'd like for uh, to take a look at you guys." So. Um, we came in and we did a, our first dark match in Madison Square Garden, which was like pretty, uh, pretty. I mean, yeah. yeah. So we did we they, we did our first dark match there, um, and then they came to us that night. And they said, "Hey, can you guys be in Pittsburgh the next night?" Um, like, we're like, "When?" They're like, "Tomorrow." So it was you know that was where uh, SmackDown was being filmed. We're like, "Yeah, sure." So 
we uh, made up whatever lives we had to work. I called in sick and we drove to Pittsburgh. And then um, when we got there after that match, um, Jerry, Jim Ross, and uh, Bruce Pritchard were like, Hosh Brothers, we need to see you. And we went in there. We, we thought they were going to say, thank you very much for your time. We need to work on this. They gave us uh, developmental deals um, to, to go to report to Memphis in, uh, by December of um, 2001. So that's what we did. So or, I'm sorry, January of 2001. So wow. that's where and we were excited, man. So that was, uh, you know, but we spent, you know, people don't know, we spent about five years on the independence prior to that. So it wasn't like it just happened. I mean, we're working our butts off everywhere. And, um, you know, we were um, trying to get an ECW, actually. But, um, you know, it didn't work out that way that we actually ended up, you know, with WWE. And then um, from there, we were, we were down in Memphis and then got sent to Cincinnati, HWA. They, they closed down Memphis. And what happens? Uh, they buy WCW and ECW. And then so then, then we're, we're like, now, now we have they buy those and then they bring all the all the people in from those organizations into the developmental territory. And at the time, you only had the two territories. It was OVW and HWA. And, uh, you know, and now we're like, we're like, you know, we're trying to tread water, trying to get through all the debris, you know, like it was a shipwreck and we're trying to float through to the top of the water, catch our breath. And, you know, we're, we're passing all this debris and it's like all these other wrestlers that are coming down, like, yeah, that are being thrown at us. And then my brother dies. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, so like it's just uh, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, talking about adversity, you know, and like I said, wrestling teaches you to get out of uncomfortable positions. So I was able to survive that and then, uh, you know, and to prove myself even after his death. That you know that this is my goal. I still want to focus on making it to WWE or to get. And I know it's under a developmental t- uh, contract, but to get to the top. And um, so eventually it, it worked out. Man, they put Shelton and I together. You know, a team angle eventually was supposed to be Kurt, Shelton, myself, and my brother. It was supposed to be four of us. So you know, went to three instead of four, but it still worked out. So. Yeah, you talk about getting out of uncomfortable situations. Like, how yeah. much did your brother's death impact you at that time? It destroyed me, man. It was like it was like it's like the basically, um, it's like the divorce with to Jackie. I mean, you I mean you're, he's your best friend. You grew up with him. Your little your baby brother, your little brother, and then he dies. You like you you find him dead, and you're just like, man. I mean, is this really happening? Um, it was tough. It really was. I had to. Then you have to call your mom and dad and tell them that you're, you found your brother dead. And that, that's not that's not good. And um, it was uh, yeah. I, I didn't think I was going to be able to get out of that. I really didn't. Um, I didn't know what, you know, I didn't know how to survive that, but then I didn't know what WWE was going to do. I didn't know if they were, you know, they signed the Haas brothers, not Charlie Haas. And, uh, yeah. you know, um, thank God that Jim Ross, uh, saw, saw the, he's like, Hey, we can still do this with Charlie and Shelton. Um, and then Arn Anderson, you know, he's like, well, let me take Charlie and let me take Shelton. Let me see what I can do with them for about a year. And, uh, and he, man, he, you know, we, we, we basically just tr- travel with um with um arn you know he put us like you know in the ring prior to our you know to the house show matches or the dark matches you know and uh man and then after and taught us man he taught us everything he knew and he his heart was into it as much as ours man and that's when i knew someone really cared and uh you know he really put everything into us and then uh and shelton thank god i just found a partner that was like just like my brother you know and he and he is my brother actually and that and it, it just worked it wasn't Two, I mean, Sheldon had the same goals as I did, and man, and it just—I'm yeah. uh, just was lucky, I'm very lucky. And Kurt Angle has said, and and I couldn't agree with him more. He said that the run as Team Angle should have gone on way longer. He said yeah. like it should have oh, been like three years. It should have been. I mean, what people don't understand is like at the time that we were getting hot on Team Angle, what who's getting hot? Uh, who is hot over on the Unraw? And that was um, it was Evolution. And uh, but then when you when they you have four guys and you have three and all of a sudden like you know when they do the mix um, they would do our mix um pay per views and we're starting to get better reaction than them you know and I don't care what they'll say but then you can ask Kurt uh, and our and Shelton may not say it because he's with WWE now but uh dude we were getting a better reaction than they were we're getting and, and uh, I think that had a lot to do okay it's time to split them you know so because they kept evolution going um. And that's just the way it is, you know. It's just that it's the way it is. So. Yeah. Would you say that Kurt is one of the very best you've ever been in the ring with? Yeah, you know what? Because you know Kurt was never a fan of pro wrestling, and neither was Brock. But they were able to pick it up like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Kurt Kurt was very very good um, to pick it up in such a short time. Yeah, he's one of the best ever. Um, and it, he's he understood the psychology, um, you know, and um, 
You know, does he know all the moves and all that? No, but he, but you, he would come and you say, "Hey, man, what's how do I do this or what's the move for this?" And you would show him, and he would he'd know it right then and there. He know how to do it. So he's got an audit. He's also got a very good um. He'll tell you too. He's got a uh, photographic memory, so everything that they would write down, he would memorize like that, so he could do mm. the speech really quick. So he's he's very very and a very intelligent human being. Um, he's, who just was able to pick up the sport very well, and he was able to apply it. You know, and I think that a lot of that has to come with his uh, amateur background as well, just being so successful. I, th- I think that's part of being an amateur wrestler, right? That student mentality of like yeah. always constantly learning every single time you're on the mat. All the time. Because whenever you're taken down or if, if you're put in a hole, like you got to know how to, you, you got to rely on the technique on how to get out of it, you know? Yeah. Or if you, you know, it's not like that, you got to feel the technique. If you feel something getting ready to be put on you, you better start thinking right there, getting, you know, going into that Rolodex in your brain. Boom, all right, I feel that arm bar coming on. How do I get out of it? All right, elbow down, pull the arm out, you know, hip down, which hip goes down. I mean, there's so much to it you have to, you know, and that doesn't come overnight. And it's just, it's repetition after repetition. I always say consistency is a mark of a champion. So you got to be consistent in your work. And that's one of my mottos. And um, also those little things make a big difference. You got to know the little things in order to make the big difference. When you talk about Arn Anderson and everything you learned from him and those little things, What's yeah. something we could see Charlie Haas doing in the ring now that might have been implemented by some teachings from Arn Anderson? One is so the way I work is um, I work the body part. I work body parts. Um, I um, and I and it's just an old cliche. Arn Anderson would say he's like, you know, we go out there and we uh, we're gonna you know we are going to render that you know that body part useless until you know, we're gonna beat him with it or make him submit with it. He goes, you don't go into Walmart and buy a a four-legged table. I mean, a three-legged table. Do you? No. He goes. You know. So you, you got to look at that opponent has is as a table. He has four limbs. We're gonna we're gonna take off one of those limbs and beat him with it. So that's what I do. So I I will go. I will look at my opponent and okay. If he's a high flyer, I'm gonna try to ground him. Um, if he's a giant, well, I'm gonna take a leg out. Um, if he's strong upper body, I'm looking to take out an arm. You know. It's so you you got to look at your opponent. Um, and then you got to look at the psychology. Um. Like the other day, I worked a match, and I don't think anyone's ever done this before. Kevin Sullivan, I asked him about it, and he's like, "Let's try it." And the guy was in good shape, really young, really. So what I did is I worked, I, I worked his eyes. So I mean, so every time he, right off the bat, he started out wrestling me, I just blinded him. Boom, he couldn't see. Every time he started coming up, I go right back to the eyes. I mean, I used the ropes to rake his eyes. I used the the mat, my my laces, my the heel of my shoe. So I, I just I worked. I mean, that's the body part, right? can't see you can't wrestle so i thought i was genius so you know so the yeah, ref so. gives you what a five count to keep going yeah. with that yeah so every time you know or if the, what i you know if i'm working the term if i'm trying to take a turnbuckle off the um off the mat off the uh ring the wrestler over there trying to put it back on i'm just gouging his eyes when he's not seeing me so it's i mean it's perfect um Classic and it's just, i love it <laughs> yeah and, and that's the thing is like um I use the I use the ring as a mat as a weapon. And so I got listen. I, I'm older. I can't do the front flip. I was never able to do front flips or anything. So I'm, I do incorporate gymnastics for amateur wrestling. I think it's very important um, because it builds your strength. And you can't teach kids to lift when they're little, but they can do gymnastics, and that makes them stronger, especially in amateur wrestling. Um, yeah. I never had a chance to. My brother did that, but I never did that. Um, I wish I did because today everyone does all these flips, and they're all very acrobatic in a in pro wrestling. Um, but no one works body parts anymore. Or they work. So they're, they're so worried about getting all these moves in. I'm like, man, I'm going to take it to a different level. I'm gonna, what's old is new. And I'm telling you right now, if you just work the, the work between the moves is what's important. I incorporate the crowd. I get, I make sure they hate me. I find that one person that wants to just punch me right in the face. and I'll get right in their face. I'm like, please hit me. Just hit me. And there's that barrier. And if they hit me, I'd be glad. I'd be like, yeah, I'm having <laughs> food thrown at me. I'm having people tell me, it's getting so loud. I can't even cut the promos. I'm like, I'll, I'll be, I'll start to speak and they get louder and louder. And I'm like, you guys are really, I'm going to sit out here all time, all day until you guys quiet down so I can finish what I have to say. And then they get louder. I mean, it's just, it's that reverse psychology um, that, you know, I've learned from Arn. Um, and it, really it's the old Anderson, you know, that's the old Anderson, you know, work ethic, man. You just, you just wear them down. You make the baby face fight from underneath. And, you, and if they can't do it, if their intensity doesn't match yours, then you know what you just you just you just beat them. That's yeah. it. So, and that's what I've been doing, man. I've been I just been going. I've watched so much old old school stuff, and uh, and I just apply that. After Team Angle broke up, what direction were you given for your character? I, I was lost, man. I'll be honest with you. And that is where um, 
I, like I said, I was always a tag team wrestler. I was yeah. never a singles wrestler. And all of a sudden, who's Charlie Haas? You know, um, they 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 put me with. I had a great match with RVD, and then I, I had a really good match with Rico, and they put me with Rico together, and, they, and we won the tag titles there. Um, and and that was tough because um, I loved the character. I loved working with Rico. Other tag teams refused to work with us because they didn't want to be in the ring with Rico because of the character. And and that. And it, and it, and it, it hurt him a lot. I, I knew he was upset about that. Um, and, uh, did he, t- and some of them were, some of them, man, took, took, um, their, what, what would you call it? Um, they, they took it out on him in the ring physically, you know, when they had to, um, you know, it, it was uncalled for some of the stuff that he went through. Um, and I think today, you know, he's suffering through concussions and all that stuff that he, he's, he's had, a you know, he's having some mental and mental issues right now. Wow. Um, you know, yeah. But, um, but you know what it was, but we had a great tag team and uh, we won the tag team titles. uh, That was really cool. And, um, but then when they separated us, um, then I had it went into singles and, uh, and that was tough because I didn't know Charlie Haas as the, uh, as a singles wrestler. Um, And is that when you were doing uh, the impersonation gimmick? Yeah. Johnny Ace came up with that. And, uh, you know, I think it was, they were really trying to get rid of me, trying to, you know, they were trying to find a way to get me out of there. Um, but, you know, what I did is I looked at it as a chance to honor the people I grew up watching, embrace it. And uh, I did the best I could. Like, I didn't want anyone to say, oh, yeah, he has a bad attitude. Let's get him out of there. Dude, I just like, you know what? Uh, you know, it's it's funny. Like, I get more people that come to me and like, hey, we remember when you did this character, this is the character. Like, as part of my career, I look back and I'm not like, I'm like, well, I, I did it because I had to. I really wasn't, I'm really not proud of it. But I, you know, it's not something I, that I wanted my career to be based on. But I guess a lot of people liked it. And they watched it because I get more people come up to me like, ah, oh, that was the best stuff, you know, when you were doing this and that. So I guess it made, you know, I guess other people, they, they liked it. Um, and, and that's cool. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, I keep trying to tell them, like, well, if you watch the stuff now over at SWE or where I'm at today, you know, you, you'll see it's a different Charlie Haas. You'll probably like that better. But, you know, teach their own. So, I mean, if I was able to touch someone's lives by um you know honoring so like some of the legends we had then yeah that's cool did you ever do an impersonation where the person was like no no no, this is how you do it like they were walking you through their entrance no um the the, the like with bret hart and stone cold steve austin man they would call me like on tuesday say, okay next monday who's here's who you got to be and i would go and i mean i would watch day after like for the for those five days everything they did everything they did the way they walked in the ring, the way they got in the ring, the way they would get out of the ring to put the, you know, like Brett would get out of the ring a certain way to put the, uh, and I always saw he, his laces would always be tucked over. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I have to, to go back and shake, but he would go yeah, I love the out of the ring this is great. To, to put the glasses on the, uh, you know, on, on the child. And then he would get back in, but it was to the detail, like Austin, um, you know, man, um, let's see who else. Oh, JBL was the best. That was, uh, you know, I, I did it so good that, um, and I almost broke him in the ring. Like he almost started laughing. And he slapped the bottle of Mama Joanna out of my hand. I pulled out another one. He was like, and I, I went. <laughs> it was so good that they had me do it the next week. It was a continuation of it. And uh, JBL was actually he wanted me to be like his sidekick, like a like a like you know Boss Hog had Dewey Hog, you know, in the Duke's Hazard. So I'd be like a in shape JBL at the time. But and, and you know and uh, him and I. But because of that, him and I are really good friends, and uh, you know, um, really good friends. So. Um, you know, but he was, uh, he was, a, he's a big fan of it. He was trying to get, he was trying to get, he was a big fan of all my stuff we were doing then. And he was trying to get, um, you know, Vince to, to, to make me like the CHL. So it'd be, but they went with a different direction, but yeah, I was really, I was excited about that. Um, but you know, when you, when you start hearing from the people that you're, you, you're, um, what do you call that? You're honoring and they enjoy it. That's good. The one I didn't like was when I, we did it when I had to do, uh, uh, JR and um, you know, because they were, they I don't know what was going on between JR and WWE, but they were kind of they wanted me to really make fun of them. And here's a man that signed me to my my contract, you know, and I was kind of putting uh, my feet were put to the fire to that, and I was like, yeah. I wasn't too happy about that. So um, and I uh, you know I think I've apologized to him for it, and um, you know, it's just it's still one I wish I could have said, you know, put my foot down, said I don't want to do that, but it's not fair, but you know. Wait, you're put in a bad position where it's like, you know, you probably yeah. don't even really have the option to say no. No, you really don't. You know, and I, I didn't have the pool or the time. At the, like, I wasn't at that level to where I said, no, we're not going to go that direction, you know. So, uh, and that's one thing. Um, 
I, I regret doing. I mean, I just, I, I just, it wasn't fair to him, and I, and I apologized to him for it, you know, and I, and I have, but we've talked, but still, I just, it was wrong. I just felt like. But it sounds like you kind of knew after Team Angle broke up that you know you didn't really have much direction, that your time maybe was limited in WWE. Yeah. It, it was, um, I think it was limited and, uh, um, and I was doing whatever I could, you know, I was, I was married, I had kids, you know, kids on the way. Um, and there was really no place to work afterwards. TNA was just starting. I mean, going to Japan, I'd go, I, I, you know, and I, I did go to Japan, worked for all Japan, no new Japan I was doing down in Mexico, but then, you know, you, you're, you're back home and there's no, you, your wife's got, you know, four kids and, uh, you know, a lot's going on and you're trying to, you know, it's, she's raising them and you're never home. So. Uh, there's a lot of pressures of, you know, your home life and all that. I mean, maybe that was a lot of uh, the reason towards our divorce as well, too. So, um, you know, you never know. Um, it's just uh, you were trying to keep your job as long as you could. Like I said, there was nowhere else to work. There wasn't an AEW. There were, you know, Ring of Honor was just off and running, you know, but they weren't giving out contracts. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there was nowhere else really to work like there is today. That's why, you know, I'm excited for professional wrestling and where it's at today. Yeah, it's a completely different landscape now. Like, you know, if you if you don't sign to WWE, you can go to AEW or Impact yeah. or Ring of Honor or MLW or New Japan or, 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, which is great. It's like, and I keep telling everybody, I go, well, I look at those other, um, all those other different um, companies that you mentioned as like a territory, as it was when I was growing up. And because we have internet TV, I mean, I never thought internet TV would take off. I just never bought into it. But then I'm like, the pandemic hit, unfortunately. But then people are like, okay, we got to cut the cords. So they started cutting the cable, yeah. you know. And everyone started, all of a sudden, man, Roku has, you know, Roku and Fire Stick and, you know, and I mean, uh, Chromecast and what, whatever out there. But all of a sudden you get Pluto TV. I go to Pluto, type in like Fight TV, and I got, you have TNA, you have, or, or Impact. You have um, MLW, you have PCW Ultra, which is unbelievable, which I think... The, I know, went to a show PCW. recently in LA. Incredible. Dude, I'm like, how is no one taking this company and, and like... I mean, this thing is like, they're, if you watch them on... If you just watch them on Pluto, their production's better than Ring of Honors. I mean, it's unbelievable, man. I'm like, this is great. And, and their talent is so good. So I good. mean... Uh, it's really good. So I'm glad. Thank you for being an advocate because I, I always tell people that and they're like, well, we haven't seen it yet. I'm like, go watch them. I go, then I, you got MLW and then you have, uh, like you said, AAA has their own, um, AAA has their own channel on Pluto. And, um, I mean, it's just, and then you got, you know, Japan, new, um, new Japan, um, USA is real big here now. Uh, Ricky Romero is the booker there. I know Tanahashi's the, the USA, uh, champion for that. But I mean, dude, there's so much, there's so many places to work now. And I'm like, you know, you know, eventually everyone wants to go to WWE or AEW, but these other places have a chance to give you a chance to work, to make a living, but you learn your craft. And if you go from organization to organization, you'll learn their styles. By the time you get called up, man, you're going to be very well marketable, you know? And, plus, yeah, and, and on top of that, you've now got the ability to make money with merch, like ProWrestlingTees.com was not a thing, yeah. you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. You can make money streaming, whether that's on YouTube or on Twitch. Like there's other opportunities to make money outside of just, you know, being an indie right. darling, which is what your yeah. option was 10, 12 years ago. Right. 100%. So I believe that I tell the, I tell everyone, I go, don't be in such a rush. Mm. Build your, like you said, build your, your, um, your marketing, build yourself, become a self marketer or, you know, build, build your marketing like around Twitch or YouTube. Um, because the more followers you have, the more, you know, the more undeniable you're going to become. So I, I say, build your name, build everything, your brand, build that brand. So if WWE wants you they say, hey, we want to sign you, but we're not going to go with your name. We're going to go with this thing. And I, oh, I don't think so. What do you mean? Well, no, because I got like 2 million followers already and I did it without you. So I'm going to stay with my name and I'll just go somewhere else if you don't appreciate it. Like, I mean, I always told everybody, everybody, Joe Henning should have been Joe Henning. You don't bring him in and make him McGillicuddy. How can you do that? You're gonna make him uncomfortable in his own skin. He can't. No one. No one. I mean, he's a third generation wrestler, man. Yeah. Let him be him. I, and I'm like, you just don't go in and change it and say, no, you're gonna be a McGillicuddy. Well, I mean, that, that no one's gonna. I mean, the only person that made that work was Lucille Ball. You know, you know, because she was Lucy McGillicuddy. You know, I mean. Um, and people even that's throwing my age way back there. But if well, anyone knows I mean, it's kind of is. what they're doing with Ron Breaker right now. I know. He's a Steiner. Just let him be. I mean, just let him be a Steiner. I don't get it. I really don't. Well, you know what will happen is he'll leave or leave to go to AEW. Then they'll bring him back and he'll come back as Steiner. 
I mean, that's what will probably happen. I mean, it's I just don't get why he wouldn't be Steiner in the first place. And, you know, I had a similar conversation with Eddie Guerrero's daughter, and it's like they didn't want her to be a Guerrero because those shoes were too big to fill. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. It's your real last no. name. They're letting, they're letting Dom do it with uh, Ray. I mean, so why wouldn't they, you know? Um, I don't get that either. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with um, not – not Rick, but I think probably, you know, it might be because of the comments or maybe the way Scott feels about WWE. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's, they're trying to stick it to the Steiner name. I, I mean, who knows? You know, they hold, who knows? I mean, that's my personal opinion. So, yeah. But, you know, you, I, you know with um, this amazing landscape of indie wrestling right now, where can we see you most often? Okay. So, man, I am, um, I was with the I mean, SWE, I'm the SWE World Heavyweight Champion, yeah. and uh, I am going to be with wrestling for, we're, we're, they've worked out a deal with, um, Tom Lance has worked out a deal with um, pro wrestling, uh, well, actually world-class pro wrestling with um, Jerry Bostic, and so I'll be on there as well, so I'll be defending my my SWE World Heavyweight title uh, coming up, and that's going to be against um, Gino Medina, he's an MLW star. And that is going to be on uh, December 11th. So that's coming up. And whereabouts is that? Is that in Dallas? Yeah, it's in Dallas, Texas. Um, they have, uh, and actually, I signed a 28, uh, 28 deal. Um, There's a 28 match contract with um, with uh, World Class Pro Wrestling. Um, so I will be wrestling for them, uh, and it's all, they'll be all throughout the Dallas. I mean, they they wrestle from anywhere from up in Texas all the way up to um, Missouri, um, wherever wherever they're booked. Um, so you know, I'm looking forward to working with them. They got some great, um, you know, th- th- there's been a lot of people that are there from SW that'll be there. And uh, there's also going to be, uh, there's a lot of people that Jerry Bostic has developed in his own with um, pro, you know, with world class. Uh, that's going to be really good. Um, I'm excited because um, we're going to be working with um, not only Kevin Sullivan, but I'm also going to be working with um, Eric Embry, who's one of the bookers as well. Now, Eric Embry's, uh, you know, I've, got, I've gotten to know him. And people understand that with Eric Embry, he helped revive the um, world class territory when the Von Erichs were, were when it was towards the end of the uh, world class era, and when the Von Erichs were, um, I think Kevin was the only one that was left, and um, you know it was it was dying. And he came in and revived that whole territory for a good year or two with his um, his big uh, his big uh, feud with uh, Skandar Akbar. So it was a really good um, it's really good to be working with him. Um, to you know he's old school, and uh, so am I. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see where this goes. I mean, you got Kevin Sullivan and Eric Embry working together. Um, yeah. You can't get any better than that, you know. My, because my goal is, you know, is what, what's that? What's what's good for Charlie Haas afterwards? Man, I want to be. Um, I want to. I want to book. I want to write. I want to um, help develop talent. And I think, I mean, when you, yeah, look at it this way: Kevin Sullivan, the last. He's the last living link to Eddie Graham, who is one of the greatest bookers of all times. So anyone will tell you. So if I can learn from him and Eric Embry. Then I, you know, it just it just it helps my dossier, my CV, my uh, resume that much more when uh, when it's time for me to hang it up totally and yeah. try to pursue other, you know, other other parts of wrestling. So yeah, so December 11th in Dallas. I'm I'm actually yeah. going to be in Dallas that weekend, so I, I think yeah. I will see you there then. Well, yeah, I would love for you to come out there. We would love to have you out there. If, um, you That'd know, be awesome. Uh, yeah, I think it, I would love to have you out there, uh, man. And maybe we'll work it out to where uh, you could be a, a guest ring announcer or something. That that's what I'm looking at. Okay. You know, yeah. All to. right. Yeah. That'd I mean, cool. now that I'm the, I'm their champion, I think I got some pool. So uh, yeah, let's bring you. I would love to have you as a, a guest ring announcer. Um, and, and what I'll do is I'll talk to Jerry Bostic to have you uh, guest ring announce for my match. You know? I would love to. That'd be so cool. Okay. Well, I mean, if I'm already going to be there. Well, let's make this. Yeah, happen. so why not? Let's do it, man. I think that'll be perfect. So, okay. I'll, yeah, I'll put uh, Jerry in touch with you, and we'll have that, man. Oh my God, man! I, I, are you kidding me? That'd be great. To have you as a guest ring announcer? I'd really, that'd be awesome. Oh man, I'm in. So anybody that's in, you know, the Texas area or Dallas area is listening, yeah. come join us, December yeah. 11th. December 11th, definitely. Uh, it's um, it'll be, and it's also going to be at uh, oh, uh, let me think how it's going to be. I want to say it's yeah. At, give us all uh, the details here. Oh, it's going to be um, yeah. Okay, so it's going to be at the um, let me pull up the poster here. But it well, is going to be Foley's on the card, which I'm so stoked about. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be at Southern Junction. That's where it's going to be located at down in downtown Dallas. Um, Mick Foley's going to be there. Um, who else they're going to have? They have, well, like I said, Eric Embry will be there on hand. You know, to sign all your ass. I think Kevin Jacob Sullivan. Fatu's there too. Yeah, Jacob Fatu's going to be on there. Um, you'll see myself will be there. 
uh, who else they have? Uh, Jacob Fatu. Then um, uh, I want to say some of the, there's going to be some really good girls, uh, ladies matches. Um, I want to see that are going to be there. Um, Carlito's and, uh, on this poster that you sent me too. That's right. Yeah, Carlito is on the poster. God, I haven't seen Carlito in a while. We're really good friends. Yeah, uh, you guys got to go see Carlito. Yeah, you guys got to see Carlito. Um, yeah, wrestle. He's phenomenal. Um, and uh, who else? Who else is um, at Southern Junction? It's in Dallas. I want to say it starts at seven thirty. Um, but you know, doors will open. I'm sure they'll have a meet and greet prior to that. So yeah. And it's worldclassprowrestling.com right. for tickets and more info, but all you need to know is Charlie's going to be there in the main event, yeah. And now I am going to be there. So join yes. Me. So we, I don't know, I'm excited. Yeah, so now you have to come. So I'm excited, man. Thanks for, thanks for accepting that offer and coming. That's going to be great. I mean, like, if I'm already in the area, let's make this happen. Why so. not? It's going to be great. No, we I'm, 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 yeah. should have done this in person. Jeez. I know. I know. I, I, I know. I should, I should have flown out to where you're at and we could have done this. I know. You're, um, I mean, you're all over the place. So I'm sure that other than Dallas, our paths are going to cross, you know, much more oh, yes, than just this one time. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Man. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully maybe this will be a working relationship. Maybe this will be, this will go off good. So I'm hoping. Yeah, well, we'll so. see. Look, it's been so great hearing your story and, I'm very inspired by how you've dealt with the hardships that you've had and how you've come over, uh, you've come over them and you've come out a better person on the other side of them too. Well, you know what? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that don't have been through a lot harder things than I have, um, you know, but that's my story. And, uh, and, um, and I'm not saying mine's the hardest it, it, by any, you know, by no means it is. And, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, if I could help somebody overcome, you know, go through that, can overcome what I've been through or help them, then, you know, then so be it. I mean, I, then that's, that's, then I would like to do that. So. Yeah. Look, I end every interview talking about gratitude because it's been such an important thing in my life. So yeah. what are three things in your life right now that you're grateful for? Man, um, my kids, um, and I'll be honest, um, I think my, uh, I've become a I've guy, I, I have a better, stronger relationship with God now than I ever did before. Um, I think, Honestly, I think if my, my wife and I, at the time, Jackie and I had a strong relationship in God, maybe our marriage would have been saved. Um, but, uh, but as me as a human being, I have a better relationship with him. Yeah. Um, um, I'm, my kids are grateful because they're, I by no means have forced it on them, but they're closer to God because of that. And, uh, they, my daughter wrote me a letter saying, dad, thank you for bringing me closer to God, you know? Um, and I, and I wasn't even trying to do that. And that, that really was heartfelt. And, um, for my family, how close they, um, you know, my dad and brother are gone, but my sisters and my mom, um, how much they've, uh, they've been there for me. So I'm grateful for family, my kids and God. Love that. Charlie, thank you so much. And I will see you December 11th. Yes, sir, man. We definitely will. And I'll put you in touch with Jerry. Definitely. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. Well, there we go. December 11th. Dallas, Texas, I guess we'll see you at World Class Revolution. So if you're going to be there, it would be so awesome to meet you. So stop by and say hello. Big thank you to Charlie for joining us. Thank you to you for always being with us. Take a screenshot. Let us know what you thought about this one. Let us know that you're listening. Tag Charlie. He's at Charlie Haas on Twitter. He's at Real Charlie Haas on Instagram. And I'm at Chris Van Vliet. And I'll leave you with this quote from Joe DeSena the founder of Spartan Race, who we had a great conversation with last month. That man's work ethic is next level. And he said, there are no bad days, just bad attitudes. Ooh, how true is that? There are over 20,000 individual moments in each day. Don't let just one or two of them ruin your entire day. Did you have a bad day? Or did you just have a bad 10 minutes and you allowed that to affect you for the other 23 hours and 50 minutes of your day? Hmm, something to think about as we head into the weekend. Have a great weekend. Be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.